Okay, well, welcome to uh, week three, if you've never been with us before. Um, I just got to pray to open up the, the heart of coming to Bible study is to care in the Lord through Scripture. And we say it every time we come, we are not just trying to be in our brain here so we can go out and through knowledge puff ourselves up, but we are trying to generate a love for truth, a heart for Jesus, a heart for mission, a heart for the gospel through his word. And we've just been inspired the last few weeks when we've came together just experiencing life through the word. So I'm just going to pray and then we'll get into session three. Jesus, we come before you, we grateful hearts, we come before you as your people. God, we thank you for gifts and abilities and uh, ability to communicate and we thank you for listeners. And we pray in Jesus' name for your Holy Spirit to come in. God, it is through revelation that we would know you. We ask and rely and rest on the anointing of the Holy Spirit to make Jesus known. God, we do not rely on our mental capacity to know you. We rely on the revelation of your Holy Spirit. And we pray that your name and your name alone would be glorified in our midst. As we go through again, just some of the heart of Romans that the Apostle Paul wrote, we pray for the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of revelation, so that we might know you better. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 You find a, a seat? Yeah. Yeah, just grab a table. We'll be absolutely fine. Aye, good. Okay, so I'm a really willing volunteer this evening to read out the scriptures. Margaret, isn't it? It's all right, Miriam, I'll say it was supposed to be you because you're sitting in the reader's seat. Well, I didn't think this was a reader's seat. Right, okay, you missed it last week. <laughs> so, a very quick recap, okay, on, for obvious time restraints, I kind of fully recap the last two weeks or Romans. But we have the heart for Romans is complete salvation from start to finish. That includes our justification that Jesus died for our sins and because of the blood of Jesus we can spend an eternity with a holy, loving Father. That's good news, isn't it? Yes. yes. Sanctification because of Jesus working in our lives today through grace. He works in us to change us, to wash us, so we can become now like um, the Bible cars up the fruits of the Holy Spirit, sanctification. And as well, through faith, glorification, that our salvation is nearer the day than it was when it first got saved. That we are closer the day at seeing Jesus face to face than forever the day was when we first believed that we would see him. From start to finish, it is achieved not through good works, or good job for some years, or good looks, or good education, but is achieved from start to finish through faith. And we said last week, faith is faith, looking to Jesus. Do we look to him to have our sins forgiven? That is faith. Do we look to him to work in our life today? That is faith. Do we look to him to get us there in the end, to heavenly places? If you say yes to the above, then that is salvation. And we say that's complete salvation 
So then in God's eyes, it's now one of them, or two or three, that the full package of salvation that we've been saved for sin through faith in Jesus. He's in our life of death through faith in his name. And we'll see him once again through faith. So the day is probably not going to be so mentally exhausting for you. Hallelujah. <laughs> this is really, really simple, okay? I thought it'd be worth just to look at Paul and what he says in chapter 1. A couple of facts about Paul. He was born around about the same time as Jesus. I think about 3 BC. He got radically saved before that. He was a Pharisee. He was a Greek-speaking Jew. He was passionate about the law. Then Christ met him on the road to Damascus. He wrote Romans, I think, 20 years after that day. Half of the Acts of the Apostles is dedicated to his life <coughs> and his ministry. There's 13 letters or books in the New Testament that is accredited to Paul writing them. Romans, although it was the first book after Acts, they think that it was the sixth book that he actually wrote. So you're getting a guy that's mature in the faith. Although it's a foundational book, this is now Paul, six months after salvation, writing Romans. This is 20 years of Paul knowing the Lord. He was a tent maker by trade, and he used that in his missions to raise money for himself. He's well known as the persecutor that became the persecuted. That he was passionately against the church of Jesus Christ. Then he became a passionate advocate for the church of Jesus Christ. He'd never visited Rome or the church in Rome. He didn't plant the church in Rome before he wrote this letter. He'd never seen them. But he wrote them a letter, a company of 30 to 100 people, they think. But he eventually visited a couple of missionary journeys and then he died in Rome. Paul is seen as the complete Christian, and I've written this term, salvation scene. And I was speaking at Anne, I, I arrived early this week, making sure she, she didn't miss it. And <laughs> the, Paul is different from the other apostles in this. Paul never walked with Jesus for three years. So if I wasn't at Paul and we was reading Peter's letters, who would you think? You'd think, well, Peter had an advantage over us. Peter walked with Jesus for three years. He's seen Jesus multiply the fish and the loaves. Peter seen Jesus walk on the water. Peter was there at the crucifixion, there at the resurrection, there at the, the ascension. But Peter shines a light for people like you and people like me in this. He only ever knew Jesus spirit to spirit. He never had the opportunity to walk with Jesus in the flesh. I thought Jesus met him in that wonderful way. He inspires us because it's a person that is completely saved as we are saved. And as we read the book of Romans and we read these other letters, we see a man fully committed to Christ. A Christ he never had the opportunity to walk with for that three years. But a Christ like us revealed through the Spirit. 
And we can know him as Paul did through the Holy Spirit. And so as we go through this few things, they're very lofty. Salvation seen. In a man like us, that never walked with Jesus in the flesh for three years, knowing Christ through the Spirit and through the Spirit alone, a man that is weak, a man that can be sinful. What does salvation look like? I can hold up Jesus as the Saviour and speak about his perfection, but fit is the attributes that save people carry. And as we go through these, you've got to think, wow, that's too lofty for me. I'm not there yet. But Kevin, what this is about. This is about inspiring us. That this is what salvation in a person looks like. It says that the word of God can encourage, challenge, and rebuke. And so when we read through the word of God, it's easy to say, well, that's encouraging, that's encouraging, God loves me. And sometimes we need to look and say, hey, that inspires me. See, when I see a saved person like me, having these attributes, hey, I want to be like that. And if I'm, if I'm not like that, praise God. He's a God of the impossible, and his life is available to each one of us. So I'm just going to go through, I've just picked it, one, two, three, four, five, six. But Paul says this, I am. This is far, I am. He's got to get on to the deeper things of salvation. Justification through faith. Christ in you through faith. Meeting him one day in heaven through faith. He's got to get on to that. But right at the start of Romans, as he often started his letters, he gives a greeting and they said, this is fire. Um. So without further ado, Margaret, chapter 1, verse 1. Greetings from Paul. This letter is from Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, chosen by God to be an apostle and sent out to preach his good news. Slave. Slavery, NLT, different, or different terms, some use born servant. Has only got born servant that's written? Okay, so born servant. We probably be more familiar with this term. Slave through the years, it's in racial connotations, American slave trade and things like that. But I want us just to get the, just the word slave in the context that Paul was writing it to. Rome was full of slavery. It says in a population of around 1.2 million, there was only thing at that time between 300,000 and 600,000 that they would term slaves. Rome is a vast metropolis, people coming for hour. It says that even a, you would think, as I would think, that a rich person in a mansion would have slaves. That they would go to the slave market and buy the slaves and they would serve them in their mansion. But back then it was very common that even a poor person for a couple of pennies could purchase a slave. 
A slave back in, it was part of society. Part of Roman culture, Paul knew that. Rich people had slaves, even a poor person could have more than one slave. They would come, they would stay with the family, they would assist the family and everything. Some slaves, if they had really good masters, would pay for their education. Some slaves would go on and be teachers and be well educated, yet they would remain under the banner of being a slave, which also means there's a, there's a master. Paul, being an apostle for 20 years, he mentions he's an apostle, could have introduced himself in so many ways, couldn't he? Mm -hmm. He could have said, you've maybe heard about me. I've wrote a few books. I've assisted church plants. I'm an apostle. Capable, God has used me with signs, wonders, and miracles. This is what I've seen, so you're maybe worth listening to. But the first thing he says, I am a slave. Of Christ Jesus. You match that up with a book like Galatians. Galatians, Paul says stuff like, We're no longer slaves to the law. We're free. And other places says, We're no longer slaves to sin. We're free. So you get freedom for slavery for sin, the power of sin. Freedom for the slavery for the power of the law. To become... A slave to Jesus. Which means us. He's my master. Salvation seen. Caring always the people of God. A heart of servitude. A heart of humility. A heart of the first thing I am. Before any other titles or before any other things I do. I am a slave to Jesus. I am, I'm purchased. Paul would continually write things like purchased with the precious blood of Jesus. Christ has bought me. I'm near my end. I'm purchased. That's how he's seen himself. Not just purchased, but possessed. A slave would become the possession for a master. He says, I am purchased. I'm near my own. Another possesses me. I've got a master. I'm there led by my thinking. I'm led by Jesus. I'm not trying to work out life for myself. I go by the commands of God. I am fully purchased by Jesus. He's fully my master. And his possession, his prized possession, his church. It's slavery then. If I was a master and you was my slave, as fun as that would be <laughs> in terms of possession. If I decided to end your life, you can't fit what happened to me. Absolutely nothing. If I have purchased you, I can do anything. I'm your master. If I decided to end your life, there will be no criminal court case. 
If it's Paul Cern, he's completely my master. If he decided to end my life, I wouldn't have said anything about it. I'd be nothing against Jesus. I'd be nothing against him. Why? Because I'm a slave to Christ. The first thing he says, I am a slave to Jesus. That salvation scene. And you might think, I'm not there yet. I'm just wanting to maybe new to the faith. This is for your encouragement. So we can see what salvation looks like. I want to enter in to my life is not my own. That I am fully purchased. He shed his blood for me. I've got a big decision. Well, the government's name my true master. My true master is Jesus. I'm committed to live for him. If he says, do it, and even the king or the country says, dinner, then Jesus is my master, he's my commander, he's my chief. Remember first says back in the week one, the Roman church was to come under severe persecution. Severe persecution martyred in front of Colosseums, horrific. And they say if it got them to still praise Jesus while a burning tar was heating up, was because their faith was built on what Paul had written in Romans. They became slaves to Jesus. Some of these points are more exhaustive than others, okay? So, Margaret, can you please read verse 8? God's good news. Let me say first that I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith in him is being talked about all over the world. <coughs> God knows how often I pray for you. Day and night I bring you and your needs in prayer to God, whom I serve with all my heart, by spreading the good news about his Son. Thanksgiving and prayer. It sounds like the simplest of values in the Christ life salvation scene. Listen to Paul's heart. I thank my God through Christ Jesus for all of you. Verse 9. God knows how often I pray for you day and night. I bring you and your needs in prayer to God whom I serve with all my heart. Thanksgiving. I thank God for the church in Rome. That 30 to 100 people, this is what inspires me. He never at this point met them. There was no FaceTime, there was no emails, there was no TV broadcasts. Through word I knew, somehow he had heard through a messenger there was a church of 30 to 100 people. He'd heard about their needs, he'd heard about their perseverance, but never ever met them yet. In the behalf of the messenger and the message, he says, he's able to write, I thank God for you. I pray 
day and night, as God is my witness, I, I pray for the needs of you. I'm there for you. I'm interceding. I've got a heart for you. Does that inspire you? Like in my prayer last night, I thank God for Fraserborough Community Church, the church in the northeast. I, I get your faces before me when I'm walking on the beach, and I think, thank God. And I can't our needs. I can't our needs of some of and I can't people are, are sick, and you get them people before you. In prayer, and we've got a prayer chat, and this is the life I'm invested in. This is the life I've got before me and praying to God for. But Paul's view of salvation scene is we should be praying for Christians that we've never met. And David does a great job of informing the church or the deeds of the persecuted Christians. I'll maybe never meet this side of eternity. There's a fair chance I will only meet any of them. But would we as a people thank God for them? If we held another denomination, dear church plant, it's easy for me to thank God for Turriff, like whose church. Because I can't done and Danella can the story. I'm invested in them personally. But thank God if another fellowship. See, he lived in a time before other denominations came and people were just Christ followers. Thank God if another denomination was to go into somewhere and plant a church. That salvation scene. Thank God for them. Pray for their needs. Intercede on their behalf. Write them letters. They need encouragement and they need our prayers. This is a guy that is fully saved and he's saying, oh, Thank God I've never met you. I've never seen you. And I show you a hell story. But I tell you something, you're on my prayer list before God. I'm not lying. I thank God that there's people there. Carry in the name of Jesus. And I've heard about your food bank and there's not enough food. I've heard about that kids are gone without clothes and this is the needs I'm putting before the fire. I've never seen the kids. I've never seen the hungry people. But I'm putting your needs before God whom I serve. Prayers, thanksgiving and prayers. Okay, Margaret. Verse 10 and 15. Not verse 10 to 15, okay. but 10 and 15. One of the things I always pray for is the opportunity, God willing, to come at last to see you. So I am eager to come to Rome, to you in Rome, too, to preach the good news. This is a saved, fully saved Paul. Hear his heart. I'm willing, verse 10. I'm eager to come and see you. That's not a major point for me. I just thought it was worth mentioning. That to hear that heart of willingness 
and eagerness to go to serve Jesus. <coughs> when I am so willing and so eager sometimes, I'll come and see if I've time. I'll come and see if it fits in my schedule. I'll come and see, my, see if, it, if it doesn't clash with, with my holidays. But listen to Paul. I'm, I am real. I've heard your story. I've heard about your group. I'm so willing, like, like my suitcase. As soon as God gives me a green light, my suitcase is packed. I'm willing. I just want to see you. And I'm eager to come. Just to meet you face. I've, I've, I've heard a lot about you. I pray within God's people that we go through seasons and we're just not so willing, we're not so eager for the, the missionary lifestyle and missions. And so I pray for God's people that we would be, it says, and He will make us willing in the day of His power. Be willing and to be eager. But listen to this verses 11 to 13. My guy, you read. For I long to visit you so I can bring you some spiritual gift that will help you grow strong in the Lord. When we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to be encouraged by yours. I want you to know... Is it 39? I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, that I planned many times to visit you but I was prevented until now. I want to work among you and see spiritual fruit, just as I have seen among other Gentiles. Verse 11 to 13. That's complete Christian. Completely experiencing fit is to be saved. This is his heart. I want to come. To benefit you. I want to come and encourage you in your faith. When it comes to being encouraged by your faith, I'm coming to work amongst you and see spiritual fruit. I want to come, I want to work, I want to be a blessing, I want to encourage you. He didn't say, I want to come to your fellowship. Um, I wonder if I'm going to receive for you. I'm wondering if it's it hostel or for hotel. you got to put my up in before I, before I commit to come. If it's a package. Because I'm a slave, I'm an apostle. People have held about me. And before I come, I wonder... What am I going to get for your fellowship? For carpet you got to roll out for me. For me coming. And sometimes, sometimes we do, well, what's that? Hud Christian leaders in such a superior um, existence that you would think is a local fellowship that we if we invited some top speaker that we simply couldn't afford 
to welcome the top speaker. You get what I'm saying? If I phoned up TD Jakes, this is not a slight on TD Jakes. If I phoned up TD Jakes, I've got a worldwide ministry and says, What? Would you come to Fraserborough Community Church? The question for his team, I wouldn't get to speak to him, I don't know, would be how much people attend. Uh, fit your budget would be part of the equation. I remember the Elam Conference, full of YTDJX came to mind. The Elam Conference every year, yeah, different families would go and then they change it to, to ministers. But the speakers was never world renowned, okay? And you wanted them to be. You'd turn up and you'd be, I've never really heard of them, their ministry. Surely we could get the top notch like Bal Johnson, TD Jakes. So we brought it up, Nemi, just, okay, why do we not get the, 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 the famous guys? And then it was reported back, do you realize the budget that we would have to have to have some of these guys for two, three days? Tens of thousands. Because they've got big expenses, big teams. This is not a slight on them. I'm just saying that when you carry something, local fellowships were priced to, okay? Listen to the heart of Jesus, the heart of Paul. <coughs> you all right, in the TV Jackson number one fan? I'm coming to bless. It doesn't matter what it looks like. My heart is for the fellowship. I'm coming to bring something. I'm coming to encourage your faith. I want to share stories about faith that I would encourage you. You would encourage me. We would build each other up in the kingdom. Build each other up in Jesus. And also, that I would work among you as a local people to see spiritual fruit. Do you at least appreciate at heart that this apostle that was a slave to Jesus, a picture of perfect salvation, and I pray God, would we hear at that heart, the heart and life and ministry, wouldn't it be in church? I wonder if I can pull for the church. I wonder if I can extract for these people. I wonder how well looked after I can get. But where would I come? I wonder if I can get. Mm -hmm. If you've got a mouth on you, you can encourage somebody. Mm -hmm. This isn't beyond us in the sense of we can do this. Yeah. We can come to church <coughs> and be a people that are not just coming looking at about me. Am mm -hmm. I again? Because that, you'll, you'll soon turn into woes, me. Father's helping me. Father's phoning me. But oh, you imagine the church of Jesus, that we would all come. I'm not here for me, but for can I deposit to you. And if I've got a move, I can come and encourage. And the faith. Which is encouraging people in the Lord. It's not to come and say, 
You look beautiful today. I like your hairstyle. I love your glasses, Diane. And it's bigger than that. If you've got the gospel, come on. Church, God's got a plan for you. He's got hope for you. He's with you. He's bought you with his precious blood. Times are hard. He's not going to let you go. We've got eternal hope. It's not anchored on this side of eternity. Our hope is anchored beyond the veil. For robbers kind of steal. Moths kind of get to. It's a security in Jesus. If you know the Lord in even the littlest sense, you have it within you to live to the benefit of some shape or form. Other people. I want to see fruit. Not just only fruit. I'm going to work with you. It's got to take time. It's got to take effort. It's not going to be easy. It's called work. Paul says work. Yeah, I have to work. But together, we want to see some spiritual fruit. That is church. That is for a guy that has experienced and experienced full salvation. To benefit you. Okay. Verse 14 to 15. Marjorie, please. For I have a great sense of obligation to people in both the civilized world and the rest of the world, to the educated and the uneducated alike. So I am eager to come to you in Rome too to preach the good news. Okay. Hold your picture of a heart. <laughs> He's got a world sized heart. He says us of a great sense of obligation, duty. It's my obligation. Nobody's forcing me. Why does he got the sense of obligation? Because Christ's his master, and he's a slave. Christ's his master, and he's a servant. And because of that, he said, I've got an obligation. Faz his obligation to. If you've got an obligation, it's like, I've got an obligation to pay my mortgage. Like I'm in debt. And for a pay my, a pay my, um, haircut, repayments. I didn't get a hallelujah for the mortgage company. <coughs> if I'm obligated today, it's an agreement for you to sign up to. And I'll be praising God the day I pay off, uh, God willing. <laughs> Hopefully Jesus will come back. <laughs> There's no round of applause ever for an obligation, is there? If you're obliged to do something, it's, this is what I've got to do. But Father's obligation to people in both the civilised world and the civilised world and the rest of the world. I've got an obligation to the educated and... Let's 
everybody then, isn't it? He said, I've got obligation to people in the civilized and uncivilized, educated and uneducated. That covers the whole people group on planet Earth. True salvation, what we should aim for, is simply this. Have a heart for people. You could add, I've got a heart for the rich. I've got the heart for the poor. I've got, a heart of, I've got an obligation to the middle class. I've got an obligation to the colour, to the whites, to the Mexicans, to the Asians, to the Europeans. I've got an obligation to the working class, to the affluent, to the poor, to them that hate nothing. I've got an obligation before Jesus to give people the gospel a good news. I love different sections of ministries and callings to certain people groups. I get we kinda help out you, can we? We kinda we kinda help out you. And there's this sense from a Vieta larger group that we would say as church, I feel called to young people to reach this generation for Jesus. And we've got people down in the Jarvis Court who say I feel called to the elderly generation. And they like some of us might be sitting in Jarvis Court. <laughs> and some people feel called to forbidden saved your addiction, the, the addict. But yet the aim is that we'd have an obligation to people. And it wouldn't be I've got an obligation to a certain people group, so I'm going to ignore our deals, because I don't know, I'm, the, I'm the here for the old folk. <laughs> I'm here for the youngies. So I don't really think about the old people and uh, tell them about Jesus. I'll leave that to somebody else. And for them, they feel a slight to the, the elder generation. I'm just going to leave the young people to the young people. But the heart that you see in Paul that was fully experiencing salvation, he says, hey, to the civilized and to the uncivilized, I need to give them the good news. I've got an obligation to categorize and pigeonhole people to the educated and the uneducated. I feel obliged. I feel obligated. I feel indebted to people as a slave to Jesus, that I kind of see some people as worthy of the gospel and other people I'll leave to somebody else. I, I kind of see my ministry so narrow as to say, well, I've just got a heart for the young people. I've just got a heart for the educated. He says, no, my heart is for people. And I want to bypass an old person because they're maybe going to meet Jesus sooner than the young person. I've got an obligation to tell them. I've got an obligation to tell the young. I've got an obligation to tell them between. And that for me, from you know, reading that, I feel really challenged. Because mm -hmm. I would hear my own veering towards. But yet I'm not condemned. God give my heart for people. Your heart to see them as you see them. 
the civilized, the, them are the bow-ties, them that would come in suits, and they're smart, and they can a lot more than me for them and for the poorest, for the lowest, for the broken, for the destitute, for the abused. Jesus loves them all. Yeah. <laughs> and as a church of Jesus, a prayer that we hear or enter in to hear the heart of Paul. Lastly, and I think I left this when I prayer tries the, the memory verse for, uh, for this week. And uh, I'll just ask you to read it. Margaret. For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. Praise the Lord. Uh, <laughs> spoke a lot of I am's. I'll just a quick recap. I am a slave. This is for he says I do him still. I am thanking God and praying. I am willing. I am eager. Coming to bless others. I have an obligation. And finally, I am not ashamed. Didn't they say, because this says I'm confident in the gospel. I'm excited about the gospel. But you wrote to a church that was a lot of severe persecution and says, I am not ashamed. Not ashamed. Of this good news about Christ is a power. I, I, I raise my banner and say, I am a follower of Jesus. For it is a power of God that works saving everybody. And he might have even added the civilized and uncivilized. The educated and the uneducated, saving everybody that I am obliged to, knowing this, if they put their trust in Jesus, that there's a power to save everybody that would believe first the Jew and the Gentile. At the, to see an unashamed, not ashamed chance. Sometimes things have made me shrink back for hear that that boldness it's okay to speak about some things so I'm sin in my own life and you become conscious sin it's I in the middle it becomes about me so your life becomes now about the gospel and then you care shrinking back and the love of Jesus is now flowing through your heart and you become just a bit ashamed. The damn fully trust in God and how can I share my faith? Sin can be a snare to shut us up. And sometimes we overthink that they think about the reputation of Christians. And I, I said just me speaking and think, well if I say I'm a Christian, there's a reputation that Christians have is if they have watched 
some things on TV. You give the prosperity gospel. And it's all about the money. And the seed becomes about money. And it gives your money and falling in with your cash. And if you give me a thousand pounds, and God will give you ten thousand. But first you got to give me one thousand. It's our minister. And I feel God is telling me that on TV that there's 100 special people sat in their homes with 10,000 pounds in the bank. Hallelujah! <laughs> and if you would sow your miraculous seed, God will heal you, save your family, and you will find your credit card debt and your mortgage paid up. You ever hear some of that? And you think, oh, me these guys, like them. They're Christians to the world. And you think, okay, um, no one would be clubbed with that. So I'll maybe shrink back because I don't want them thinking I'm just after someone. And there's that other side. You get legalistic Christians and in the Northeast, you think, if I save them, I'm a non-Christian, I'm a sailor, I'm a Christ follower. Oh, you're one of them boring people that <laughs> do your own thing. Dinner have fun. And you're just known for free dinner, do you? You don't go to the bingo. You don't get mixed up in the things of the world. And you think, oh, I can't have a reputation if I say I'm a follower of Jesus and I'm a Christian. There I got to think that I'm just a legalistic person. And I have time to say. There's no like God promises no like that. Jesus is the most joyful experience of our heen. Then I think it's about Fandine and Fandine. It's about following Jesus. And you want to give the full gospel just so they didn't think, oh, you're boring then. And yeah, you'll just, you just uh, do too much fun in your life. And so there's those things that come against us. And lastly, some Christians are playing mean in this room. <coughs> <laughs> Some Christians are weird, right? There's no weird Christians in this room. And I'm there looking at all the Christians. And let's face it, some are really, really off the scale. Weird. And you think, right? If I say I'm a Christian, then they'll also might think I'm weird. Like the weird Christians. <laughs> I want to tell you though, um, the Apostle Paul faced artists in the early church. Like this is name you. The he knew it was this was the guy that would also say, Look, I'm the I'm the worst of sinners. I can't let that stop me. If you read Galatians, you will realise Ah, the, the Judaizers who was coming in with legalism and spying on them and then and snuffing out snuffing out their freedom. And you also hear the pseudo-grace people that just he warns against them, false prophets that they never followed through their confession of faith by disciplined life. And just told the people that they wanted to hear and blessed them. 
um, received that says that people would go to a widow's house as never fit to be a blessing, but to manipulate them and use a gospel to extract for them. The gospel warns you time and time again, just watch. And I'm pretty sure I was weird Christians back then as well, right? <laughs> but in spite of that, having experienced full salvation, knowing that some people would have thought he could rise up and say, Hey, I am not ashamed of the good news about Christ. For it is the power of God and to salvation. I'm not too bothered about my own feelings or my own hang-ups. I'm not too bothered how that's going to mark you feel about me or my agenda with us. I'm not ashamed. I'm a follower of Jesus. Mm -hmm. I am a Christian. I'm not going to overthink it. I'm not going to downplay it. When people ask, I'm not going to try and scam or go on the defensive. Well, I'm not ashamed. If that makes me look like a weird person, then I'm not ashamed. You think I'm just out to get your money? Now, be a blessing. And I'm not ashamed. If you think I'm boring, that's okay. But one thing I'm not, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because it is the only power of God. No plan B, no plan C. The urgency in his heart was, I'm not ashamed of the gospel as the power of God for your salvation. I don't care if you think I'm a, I care who that was. <coughs> but God's got a power, and I'm not ashamed of it. That's Paul. That's a complete Christian for me. That's somebody to aspire to. Paul would say, follow me as I follow Jesus. I wouldn't turn him into a saint, something more holy than he would say he was. But I would say, this is a man who knew who he was. He knew his Lord and Saviour. And if I can read the attributes in the heart that he has, I feel like I'm missing that. And I can, Jesus, you are the same Lord, the same Christ and the same God to me, your own Paul. I pray for a church. They would see themselves slaves to a holy master, servants. We are the clay. You are the poor. To be a church full of thanksgiving and prayers for, for others. To live for the benefit of other people. To come with generous hearts. To be a blessing. To have obligation while we are here to a community, the wider community, to the northeast, to the whosoever. And to be a church, to be a fellowship that is simply, we will not buckle, we are not ashamed of this gospel. It's given me so much delight, it gives me so much hope every day. How can I be ashamed of the gospel? I'm not ashamed. Sometimes I've been, sometimes I've shrunk back. Sometimes people have asked me, well, what do you do? It was your job, okay. Well, this conversation leading. But to, to be reignited for the gospel, that's why we come to Bible study, to, to see far we attend to, to get life 
in Jesus' name. I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to close. I think that's all. In two weeks' time, yes, I told you last week, in two weeks' time, if I was a dark few pages, and the Apostle Paul's writing, it's the next few chapters. He's going to tell you, and everybody on the face of the planet, that you're lost, that you're a sinner, so that you can see your need for salvation and it be justified through faith. So I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> I'm not ashamed. No. It's the gospel. Jesus, I thank you for your people. They're glorious people. Your eternal plan that you would hear a church, a bride, a people, uh, our tribes, our nationalities, and our tongues, and other families of the earth, and you would cast one your body. And I pray before we leave, we'd feel a sense of inspiration. We are man that was saved like us. If it never met you in the flesh, only entirely through the Spirit. And God, we pray for fellowships that would be willing servant hearts, hearts of a slave to our master, willingly. Not a slave that is in chains, behind bars, but a people that would say, I am willing to be a slave for this Jesus. If he says go, I will go. If he says stop, I will stop. If he says lay down stuff, stuff, I'll surely lay down that which hinders. And God, would you rise up a spirit of prayer and supplication and thanksgiving. We've got so much things to be thankful for. And help us to be thankful for our brothers and sisters and consider their needs also. And God, we pray that you would birth within us an eagerness and a willingness to go, to be ready, to help, to be a blessing, to see spiritual fruit, to encourage others. And God, may I be within us a deep sense of obligation to the unsaved people of the world, to the rich, to the poor, to the in-between, to the people in our community, to the educated, to the well-employed, to the high-employed, to the refugee that's landing in our shores. Help us, birth within us an obligation. Would you rise up a boldness of faith? God, it says that when the church came under severe persecution, they asked for boldness, you shook the place, and you empowered them to be bold, and to rise up and to go to the highways and the byways with the unashamed message of the gospel. We did not pray that we would go for here and just try and do it, but be an empowerment and a strengthen by the Holy Spirit to do and have your way in our lives, we pray. Glory be to God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks again for coming, for listening, and uh, bless you. Enjoy your rest of your evening.